Have you ever heard the phrase, that's going to leave a mark? Usually, what does that mean? When you hear that phrase, that's going to leave a mark. <laughs> like literally, it's going to, either you're doing something extreme, right, that's going to leave a mark. Like this could go really, really bad. It's going to leave a mark. So I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about how as disciples we are to live differently. And I think as a disciple of Jesus Christ, there are consequences that we are going to encounter. There's a consequence for us being a true follower of Jesus Christ. So we're in this series called Disciple Life. And we, last week we talked about count the cost, follow Jesus, This week, we're diving into what does it look like to live differently. And here's what I believe. I believe that as a disciple of Christ, there are consequences to that. And guess what? Your encounter with Jesus is going to leave a mark. So as I was thinking about this whole idea of leaving a mark, I could not help but to think about Fail Army on YouTube. Is anybody with me on that? So... For our entertainment, let's have a, a, a moment here. Let's watch other people's failures and laugh. Okay? Roll that clip. Oh, 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 oh. Hey, he's laughing. It's okay. It's laughing. He's laughing. Oh, this is priceless. Look at this. Oh. Now that's going to leave a mark. <laughs> the guys on the roof are just laughing at him. Oh. 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 <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh. He had good intentions. Oh, now this is going to leave a mark. Oh, everybody's okay. This is not what we expected. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Is that it? Oh, that was it. So literally the truck pulls off and you have to unload the, it doesn't unload the way it's supposed to. It like falls and collapses. Uh, It. There are things in our lives, right, uh, best laid plans that sometimes are going to leave a mark. They don't always go the way we'd want. So I was thinking about this idea of living differently and the consequences of living differently and our encounter with Jesus and how it generally is going to leave a mark on our life. We cannot be different. We cannot be the same as we always were because of our encounter with Jesus Christ. Now I want you to think through this. Some of you are believers in Christ. You've been a believer in Christ for, I don't know, a couple of months or maybe a year or two. And maybe the mark that Jesus has made on your life is still taking effect. But guess what? Some of us who have been uh, in uh, believers in Christ all our lives, that mark maybe had been so long ago, and there maybe you're trying to realize what the difference is. But here's the reality and the truth of the gospel is that Jesus left a mark on your life back when you accepted Christ, and you're still walking in that right now. Now, some of us are along the journey in our relationship with Jesus, and this series is all about understanding what happens in that journey, that once you come to faith in Christ, and if you're a believer in Christ, say amen. Amen. All right. Those that are believers in Christ, 
That is one step in the journey of discipleship. That's the first step, is the step when you say yes to Jesus and say, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I no longer want to be lost or I I don't want to find myself in hell. But God, I realize the state of my sin and how it has separated me and I need you to come into my life. And that moment, the grace and the blood of Christ is poured out all over your life and the mark of Jesus is on you. He's left a mark. And you cannot be the same because of your encounter with Jesus. And so what does that happen? What happens in that moment is a life that lives differently. Your life is different, and the journey that you are on, that journey is going to be for the rest of your days. For the rest of your life, you get to be on this journey of discipleship with Jesus Christ. I've been on that journey for 40 years. I just dated myself. The reality that I've been a believer in Christ for 40 years And the thing that how many times I have been discipled and been inside of a discipleship group all of these years and how many groups that I have actually led and how many students that I have discipled through these years is just amazing to believe that I still learn something when I read Psalms 57 this morning. And as I was reading through even 1 Samuel and how Saul and Jonathan and David and that whole David and, you know, Jonathan friendship and how David almost like cut off the uh, part of his robe while Saul was in the bathroom. Yeah, that's in the Bible. I read that just the other morning. It just blows my mind. And I hope that many of us in this room, you're not getting so apathetic about God's word that you lose your awe. And I think true disciples never lose their awe of what they're reading and what they're understanding. And there's a character in the Bible that we've been studying. We started studying last week. There's a character in the Bible, and his name is Peter. He's a disciple. He's a disciple that encountered Jesus while he was fishing. He was done fishing, and he had this encounter on the bank there. And Jesus said, drop your nets. You're no longer going to be fishing for fish from now on. That's funny. Uh, you're going to be fishing for men. And Peter in that moment has this epiphany moment and he literally drops the net and he starts following Jesus. Now, as last week, we learned that, you know, that cost, uh, the count the cost and that whole following thing it was a little rocky for Peter. He didn't always get it right. There were times when he got it wrong. But this week, I want us to dive into what happens to Peter on the other side of his denial of Jesus. Now, as we read in Scripture, Peter denied Jesus three times, right? Three different people asked him, do you know this guy? Do you know this guy? And three different times, Peter's answer was, I don't know him. I don't know who he is. Never knew him, the guy. And then at the very second, the third time he denies Christ, the, the rooster crows and he realizes what Jesus said to him just a few hours before, hey, you're going to deny me three, hour, three times. And this guilt and all the things, he starts carrying the weight of denying Jesus. And I love this. This is so good. After his burial, after his resurrection, Jesus appears to the disciples and he's on the bank of the very lake that he called Peter to. This is crazy. And he's having a good old fish fry. 
and the disciples had been out fishing. They went back to no doing what they should have been or thought they were doing before Jesus even called them. Three years earlier, and so he is at the bank, and Jesus is cooking fish, and they're out fishing. They smell the fish, and they're like, hey, I didn't think I know that guy. And Jesus calls out to him and says, hey, I got breakfast, boys. Come on in. That's Steve's paraphrase. So they have this breakfast, and Jesus asks Peter three different times, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, you've asked me that two other times, and now a third time. Yes, Lord, I love you. And then Jesus commissions him and says, now go and make fishers of men. And I love that moment because Jesus restored Peter and it's, there's light bulbs going off in Peter's life. And from that point forward, Peter's life, he was living differently. And I want to talk about what that difference looked like. I have four points about Peter and I have four points about us. Are you ready? Here's the first one. Peter talked differently. Peter talked differently. Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 41. Acts chapter 2, this is after that restoration moment. Peter is out with his buds. They're doing their thing, and they encounter a group. And lo and behold, Peter stands up and starts preaching. His talk is way different than it was before. Peter was this, he was a talker back then, but he was mainly out of curiosity. And a lot of times he put his foot in his mouth. But after that moment, his talk was way differently. He's standing in front of all of these people, and he's no longer denying Jesus. He's acclaiming and affirming Jesus. His talk has changed in a big way. And let's read that. Acts chapter 2. It says, Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. That's the gospel. And Peter said, And they said to Peter and to the rest of the brothers, What are we to do? And Peter said to them, Repent. And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on urging them. His talk is way different. And he's saying, be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and on that day they were added about 3,000 souls. Peter preaches his very first sermon, and 3,000 people come to faith in Christ. His talk was way different. Before the moment when Peter, people were asking, do you know this man? What was Peter's response? I don't know that guy. He was denying Jesus. And then all of a sudden, he has this restoration moment, and his Life is different. It's obvious. And now Peter is stepping into the reality of who he is and who Jesus is. And now he is using his his tongue and he's using his words to edify and to encourage others to know Jesus even more. And he calls them to repentance. That's a different phrase than denying, right? I don't know the man. Hey, y'all need to know Jesus. Y'all need to repent of your sin and change the direction of your life. Talk is way different for Peter. The second thing we see is that Peter walked differently. He walked differently. He started healing people. He started walking and ministering to the people around him. I want to look at Acts chapter 9. 
uh, verses 32 through 35. And Peter is traveling, going through from region to region. He's walking, he's going, he's taking the gospel wherever he is. His walk is different. He's not just isolated in one little area or region of the world anymore. He is starting to go out. And so he's walking and traveling through all those regions. And he came down to the saints who were lived at Lydia. There he found a man named Aeneas who had been bedridden for eight years because he was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up. Make your own bed. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like something Jesus had said to another paralyzed guy? And Peter's saying the same thing. It says, and this is what's cool. Immediately the guy got up. Immediately guy got up. And all who lived at Lydia and Sharon saw him, and they all turned to the Lord. Peter is walking differently. And he's walking, not just physically walking, but he's walking in confidence. He's living a life in confidence of who Jesus is in him and the power that is in him to be able to walk out and minister to the people that are around him. Now, that's pretty cool, y'all. Peter is walking way different. I'm sure Peter's not walking around scared and afraid like he was during the denial. He's not coward anymore. I'm sure he's got his shoulders rolled back, head up high. I'm confident and I know who I am and I know who Jesus is and I know the power that's in me. Oh, you're going to walk different. I'm pretty sure it's a strut. You think? Peter's walking a little bit differently. Point number three, Peter believed differently. He believed differently. It's amazing how his faith grew so much. He, his identity and his belief in who Jesus was. He saw Jesus go to the cross. He heard and saw all the miracles and the parables and all the things that Jesus had done. And he encountered people with Jesus all of these years. And now Jesus had sent him out, had commissioned him to go be fishers of men. And so he's out commissioning, walking, talking, but what he believes about himself and what he believes about who Jesus is, way different. Way different. And I love it. In 1 Peter chapter 1, this is a book in the Bible. There's actually 1 Peter, 2 Peter, both written by Peter, right? The guy who encountered Jesus and the guy that we're talking about. This is his very words. And if you read these words and you think, Man, he believes differently. I think you, when I read that, I went, oh yeah. So let's read it together. Verses 13 through 16, he says, Therefore, this is Peter talking, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. Do not be conformed to the former lusts that were yours in your ignorance. Don't you think he understands that? Don't be conformed for the, further, the things of the past. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves, also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, how does a guy who was reckless with his words back in the day, right? A fisherman by trade, roughneck kind of guy, encounters Jesus, walks with Jesus for three years, denies Jesus at the very end. Jesus restores him again. How does he get to that place of faith? to be able to write that. God was doing something in his life. He was learning. 
He was growing. He knew exactly the scriptures. He quotes the scriptures, right? So no longer was this, you know, roughneck fisherman. Now he was becoming someone of a student of the scriptures. He understood and knew what was going on. He believed differently. Number four, Peter endured differently. He endured differently. He endured persecution. Acts chapter 4, verses 3 through 12. This is a lot, so hold on. If you read it on the screen, great, but here we go. And they laid hands on them and put them in prison until the next day. This is Peter and his crew. They were out talking and preaching, and the religious leaders did not like it. They didn't like the preaching. They didn't like the 3,000 people coming to faith in Christ. They were feeling threatened, and they scooped the guys up. They were persecuted by religious people. Hmm. Hmm. You would think, if I'm going to get persecuted, I should get persecuted by non-Christians, right? Yikes. Peter and his crew was being persecuted by the religious people. And they didn't like what they were saying. And they laid hands on him. In other words, they physically grabbed him off the street. Basically kidnapped him in the middle of the street and took him in. They put him in prison until the next day. For it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed. And the number of men came to be 5,000. So we had 3,000 the first time. Now 5,000 people are being impacted by by Peter. On the next day, the rulers and the elders and the scribe were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Ananias, the high priest, was there. And Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were high priestly descent. In other words, all the big guns. The religious big guns in the area were all brought together. And they were about to interrogate Peter. By, uh, by what power, and they inquired of him and say, by what power and what name have you done this? Then Peter, love it, filled by the Holy Spirit, said to him, this is where it gets good, y'all. Peter speaks it out truthfully. He says, rulers and elders of the people, if you were all on trial today for the benefit done to a sick man as to how this man was made, and made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified... Whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. In other words, the guy he just healed. Verse 11. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, by which became the chief cornerstone. Who is he talking about there? Jesus, the chief cornerstone. And there is, this is so great, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no one, no other name under heaven that has been given among, among mankind by which we must be saved. Peter is standing in front of the religious elite and he's sharing the gospel with them. He is enduring persecution. He has been, they literally physically kidnapped him off the street, threw him in jail for the night because he was preaching and teaching and healing. They were threatened by that. And they persecuted him and literally dragged him by the neck and threw him into prison. And they brought him out of prison and interrogated him. And Peter, enduring all of that persecution, said, You know what? You can do whatever you want to me, but I'm going to stand in confidence and knowing full well who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And he stands in front of all of those religious leaders, and I'm sure there's a lot of other people that are watching and seeing what was going on, and he declares the gospel to them, and he calls them to understanding of what salvation is. It's not in what they do, it's in who he is. This is a roughneck fisherman who is living way different. And so what does that mean for us? I mean, I understand that for Peter, right? 
But how am I, as a disciple of Christ, to live differently? Guys, we see in Scripture, we see the Bible. This is our like textbook, if you want to look at it. It is our way of understanding what does it really mean to have faith? What does it really mean to have a relationship with God? And when we read about a guy named Peter, and we see him live out his life and live out his faith, those are lessons that we can learn and apply to our lives. This is not just a history book, y'all. If you believe the Bible is a history book, yes, it does talk about history. His story. It's the story of God's interaction in mankind from the very beginning of creation all the way to the end when he makes it all good. This is God's interaction with mankind. And he drops Jesus into the world to live the example and calls 12 guys. Maybe one of them didn't make it all the way to the end. But these guys became the beacon and the hope of the gospel way past Jesus had conquered death. They were the beginning of the church. And these 11, they went out and they scattered. And they were living differently because of the moment they had with Jesus. And here's, I'm going to go to the end and I'm going to begin here. Are you living a difference? Are you living a difference? If you are a believer in Christ, that means if you said amen earlier, how is your life different? How? Because when you encounter Jesus, you can't be. You can't be the same. If you're encountering Jesus on a daily basis, you can't be the same. If you're having interaction with God, you can't be the same. You can't. It's impossible. Why do I say it's impossible? Because if Jesus is in your life, he's doing a work of transformation to make you more like him. And if you have sinful (laughs) desires and sinful habits in your life, you're not becoming like Jesus. That's hard. And so here's this moment. How do I learn from Peter and how that applies to my life? There's four things. You ready? I bet you you know what the answers are. I bet you you know what they are. After I say the first one, you're probably going to go, ah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Steve, you're so creative. One, as a disciple of Jesus, we will talk differently. Is there a boldness about your speech? Now I'm talking about a boldness, not an arrogance. I'm talking about a boldness of the gospel. Is there something that comes out of your mouth that, like Peter, would call your friends, those who are living a sinful life, to repent? That's not a judgmental repentance. That's a kindness and love repentance. It's not you're putting your finger down on them and pointing your nose at them and belittling them with your words. No, you're calling them up and encouraging them to be a part of the gospel and to have a relationship with Jesus. Calling them to repent is not a bad thing, y'all. It's not. (laughs) How many times do we open our mouths and say stuff that we should never have said? Guilty. A true disciple of Christ learns from their mistakes about the words that they use, and they change it. They change it. I'm going to step on a toe. You ready? Here it comes. If you're a true disciple of Christ, why are cuss words a part of your vocabulary? I'm sorry. Maybe it was a little toe or a big toe. But let's think about it, y'all. If my words 
are there to edify and to lift each other up, then why would my vocabulary use, be used to put people down? And I can't imagine, and I've heard about every cuss word in the book, and I've used many of them. So I'm as guilty as you are, but I will tell you now that the journey I've been on with Christ, my vocabulary has changed way different. When I was in middle school and high school, <laughs> I was a sailor because I cussed like one. Literally. Because I thought I was out to impress people, so I used those words to impress people. But the journey that I've been on all of these years, I, I can't imagine even saying one now. Because I don't think it's beneficial to the people around me in the words that I use. If I got up here as a preacher and started cussing, would that be beneficial to you? <laughs> no. <laughs> One, I wouldn't be standing on this platform if that was a part of my life. I would not. And so I would challenge all of us. What are the words that we use? What are they? Do you think about them before you say it? And what would it look like for you to change a couple of words in your vocabulary in such a way that it would glorify God and not yourself and not belittle others? The words that we use are valuable and they are life-giving to the people around us. So use your words wisely. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Number two, what do you think we need to do? Walk differently. We talk differently, we walk differently. And so I'm going to ask you this question. What is the company that you are keeping? What is the company that you're keeping? In other words, here's what I believe. What your heart believes, what your mind thinks, your feet will follow. And so wherever you find your feet, usually is the company that you keep, who you're hanging out with on the weekend. When you leave church and you head out on your own, and tomorrow morning when you show up at school, where you show up uh, wherever you're going to do tomorrow, whatever that looks like, where are your feet taking you? And what are the company that you're keeping? Who are the people that you are with that you live life with? Are they encouraging you? Are you encouraging them? Are you pouring courage in and not taking courage out? Where your feet are, <laughs> I could tell you who your identity is <laughs> just by where you go and what you do. And so I want to challenge us all that as a believer in Christ that we would walk differently. Think about where you are. I think also that what this looks like is how we serve other people. Because you see how Peter walked differently with after Jesus. Like he was walking and talking, encouraging, sharing the gospel, and ministering to people. How are you ministering to the people around you? Steve, I'm not a pastor. How can I minister? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You don't have to be a pastor to minister. I can go sit down right over there. Because many of you think this is ministry. Many of you believe that being a pastor, me, is ministry. Y'all, that's not ministry. Yes, I, God has called me and placed me on this platform to admonish the saints, to equip the saints, and to send you out to do ministry. That's my calling. But you are the minister. Yes, I call you when your grandparents pass away or your parents fall away. Like I'm there usually to text or call to encourage and to come alongside. And I've done that with many of you in this room. But y'all, you can minister just as much as I can, if not even better. So how are you ministering to the people around you? I want you to write that in your notes because I think that's the Holy Spirit speaking to many of us. That you, or maybe the phrase is, I am a minister. 
and I can do the work of the gospel. Walk differently. Number three, that we would what? Believe differently. We would believe differently. Now, as I was thinking about this, there's a song that I held on to when I was in high school, and the name of the song is In Christ Alone. I'm not going to sing it for you, but I'm going to quote a couple of parts of the lyrics. And I want to see if this resonates with you. Because here's the thing. This song, is, it ends just with a very powerful like declaration to God. That if we are going to believe differently, some of the lines and the phrases of this song are really going to be, resonate within us. You ready? Here it goes. It says, I find my help in Christ alone. When fear assails, when darkness falls, I found my peace in Christ alone. I give my life, I give my all. I sing my song to Christ alone. The King of kings, the Lord of all, all heaven sings to Christ alone. To Christ alone, to Christ alone. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ I'll stand. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. Y'all, that is a statement of belief. If you truly believe that Jesus has the power, and he does, and we're going to talk about that at camp. I can't wait for that. Beach week's going to be amazing. But if you really would understand as a disciple of Jesus Christ that the power, the Holy Spirit power living within you (laughs) and what you can do in Christ alone, oh my gosh, you would change the world. Step into the reality of who you are. Believe fully in Jesus Christ and what he can do in your heart and your life. That is the difference that Peter, that's the difference for Peter. He believed differently. After he got restored, he believed differently about Jesus. And he called people to Jesus. He believed and had so much more faith. What about you? Have you been impacted? Oh, gosh. I think about stories right now of students who have been so impacted by the gospel that their lives are radically different because they knew the power of Christ to save them. Is that you? Is that your testimony? Is that your calling? Have you seen something that's heard something about Jesus? You cannot help but be different. Your talk is different. Your walk is different. You have been changed by the power of Jesus Christ. Fired up. All right, last one. That we would endure differently. Y'all, I wrote this down because it was so good. Living the Christian life in this culture and at this time is difficult. I think about Peter and how he was ridiculed by the religious leaders. And I, it, just, it boggles my mind that Peter would be just walking down the road and all of a sudden he'd be kidnapped and thrown into prison. What are you doing? Why, do you, why am I going? What am I get, what is, it's because he was walking and living the difference of Jesus Christ. And I think about this generation. I think about y'all. When I was a teenager, I didn't get persecuted as much as y'all did. Oh, I was a, I was a walking testimony. And I, I shared the gospel with a lot of my friends. And many of them rejected me. And many of them did pray to receive Christ, and they were part of our youth group. But man, it's hard. 
As I think about you guys, and I think about some of the influences that are in your inboxes and the influences that are on your news feeds and your notifications and all the things and all the different information things that are coming at you, and I can understand how confusing that would be. It's way different for y'all than it was for me. And my heart is for you. And I pray that there would be a generation that would rise up and say, you know what? I know the persecution's coming. Bring it on. Because in the power of Christ, I stand. I'm going to say no to a lot of influences for the reason. Not that I would be better than anyone else. I'm going to say no to a lot of the temptations. I'm going to say no to a lot of the influences. I'm going to turn off my phone. I'm going to turn off notifications so that the influence is not there. I am going to take a huge stand for the gospel. And my friends, those that would do that and would be so bold, you will be so different. And the persecution will come. But I promise, if you stand in the power of Christ, if you stand in the power of Christ... He will give you the strength to endure it. He's not going to save you from it. Please hear me on that. He's not going to save you from it, but he'll give you the strength to endure it and to get through it. Peter ended. Landrum led led that scripture earlier. One of my, my new favorites, because Peter got it. As he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have already believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter got it right. For once, he got it right. I'm going to bow tie this message with a phrase. And then Victoria's going to come up and she's going to kind of wrap up this message. But I want to bow tie it with this phrase. You ready for this? What Christ is asking us to live differently for. Ready? Everybody locked in on this. If you hear anything about this, please. What Christ is asking us to do is not behavior modification. Now let me explain that. It's not that me or anyone around you is telling you, you better be good or else. And that you need to clean up your life Because maybe some human being around you told you you had to. And that's behavior modification. What Jesus is asking of us and his disciples is to surrender to life transformation. That's a big difference. Because the person that's guiding us and leading us is Jesus himself. Do you see the difference? So the difference comes from the inside, not from the outside. You are going to be looking more like Christ because you surrender to Christ on the inside. That he has captured your heart so fully that you're like, whatever you need, Jesus, I'm all in. Whatever you need, Jesus, I'm all in. Whatever you ask of me, Jesus, I'm all in. It's not this behavior thing like, I'm just going to get better so everybody will like me. I'm just going to get better so my parents don't yell at me all the time. Do you feel what I'm saying? This means yes. 
I think a lot of us are struggling with behavior modification. A lot of us are. But what Jesus is asking in that live different line there is not behavior modification. What Jesus is asking is to come and die. Not a physical death, but a spiritual death. That you would humble yourself before the Lord so that he will lift you up. That you would humble your life to the calling of God on your life to be a disciple, to follow him all the days of your life. And that he would be the one that would transform you from the inside out. That the things that grow on the inside of you are going to come out of your eyes. They're going to come out of your mouth. They're going to come out of your hands and your feet and who you are. That is what Jesus is asking of you. It's funny, there's nothing in there that says, hey, be a good person. Jesus ever says, hey, be a good person. Everything will be great for you. No. He says, come and die. He says, humble yourself before the Lord, and I will lift you up. I love that because Jesus is doing a work on the inside. And y'all, if you're a true believer in Christ, I think it might be good to surrender to that right now. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the life of Peter and what we see and what we encounter in him. Lord Jesus, I'm asking and praying that these words, the words that have come out of my mouth, I pray that these words that have been declared in your word would strike a chord in our hearts, God, that we would be ever so different because of the time that we had in your word this morning or tonight. So Lord, I pray for these students right now. I pray for the ones that are wrestling in their heart on whether they're going to fully surrender to Christ or not. Are they truly going to follow after you? Lord, I pray that in this moment you would give them a boldness and a courage, God, that they would stand up and say, yes, yes, Lord, whatever you would have for me, I'm all in.